Miss Jones is back again. She's back in a big way. Yeah. She's uh she's an honorary old bitch. That seems unfair. No, it is. Um <laughs> Well, welcome to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Solid introduction. <laughs> and uh, this week, we are returning to a classic. We're going, we're going back to hell. We're going back to hell to discuss The Devil and Miss Jones 2. So The Devil and Miss Jones Part 2 came out in 1982 and was directed by... Henri Pichard, and also the cinematographer was good old Larry Ravine. Excellent. So uh, we have a visionary team working here, and mm-hmm. they certainly had a vision in this film. I will say without a doubt, yes. <laughs> this is the greatest representation of hell since Dante. <laughs> I will say uh, they certainly changed tone with this film. Oh, yeah. Uh, the first film, if you recall, begins with a woman committing suicide, uh, like, as the cold open. Yeah. And uh, this film is more of a wacky comedy. Yeah, this is a Gremlins 2. <laughs> it is. It's quite a Gremlins 2. Yeah. It's the new batch. They were crazy. You ever that see new them? batch? Yeah, you ever see them? I saw them when I was real little, but I haven't seen them since. I need to watch them. They got the spider. They got uh, the smart one. Yeah. They got the hot one. It's a lady. There's one that's made out of lightning. He's pretty tight. <laughs> uh, there's just, just one of them flies. Dick Miller kills him. <laughs> it's great. Oh, yeah. Dick Miller. It's a Dick Miller situation in this film. <laughs> He's back for revenge. He should be. Against the gremlins that got him. But in this film, Miss Jones is uh, like a bat out of hell. Yeah, she has uh, worked up a lot of energy in hell since being in hell. Uh, if you recall, the end of the first movie, she is uh, begging for sexual satisfaction from Gerard Damiano, who might be the devil, but uh, is not recognized as the devil in this film. To go back a bit, we do have a returning Georgina Spelvin as Justine Jones. Yes, I think the only returning actor. I believe so, yes. Uh, unfortunately, the teacher is not here. No, that was one thing that I thought while I watched it. I was like, it's like what if they've got him to be what if they've gotten the teacher for this it would have been i consider this an amazing film just up front okay but i think 
if they had had the teacher return, it would be the perfect film. It would be, I would be shouting from the mountaintops <laughs> right now instead of making a podcast. It would be a film that drove me to complete ecstasy. <laughs> I have no choice but to get up and out of my chair and just run, run, <laughs> run into the woods and get lost again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the teacher is sorely missed. Uh, and this film is also pretty good. Um, not to uh, bury the lead here, but we'll uh, we'll get to that in more detail. But uh, we do have, in addition to the returning Georgina Spelvin, we've also got some pretty good names here. Yeah, some notable notables. Yeah, we have uh, Joanna Storm as Private Parts. Yep. Uh, Jacqueline Lorians as uh, Roxanne. Yep. Anna Ventura as Eve Schwartz. Yes. Uh, but we've also got, uh, working with and against Justine, Jack Wrangler as Lucifer, or Lucy, mm-hmm. as he is uh, dressed by the Devil's Advocate, played by R. Bola, or Robert Kerman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also got appearances from some mainstays. Uh, Samantha Fox appears as Sister Angela, who does not actually engage in any sexual contact. No, we also have... Uh... Brief cameos by Sharon Mitchell. Yes, Sharon Mitchell as Marie Antoinette. <laughs> yeah, a uh, bit part for Ron Jeremy as Iago, yep. a sort of a uh, a gendarme of hell. Yeah. Uh, Joey Silvera is in it as a late character in the oh, film. Yes, uh, Bobby Astor shows up. Yes, and, Bobby uh, Astor. I almost missed him because he's, he's so well disguised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we've got quite a quite a cast of characters here. Yeah, it's a uh, it's one for the ages. <laughs> so there there is a a kink that is explored in this film, uh, which is uh, the kink of a sexy devil. Yes. <laughs> in fact, uh, not to spoil too much, but a uh, shy but excited Bobby Astor. Uh, has a kink of uh, making it with a woman as the devil. Yeah. Devil play. Have you ever tried devil play? uh, Have I tried devil play? Uh, No, I prefer cold play. (laughs) Fair enough. No, I think if I were to do devil play, I would certainly have a pitchfork. Okay, yeah, I think that's important. I would definitely, I would need one, a trident even. Now, would you go for like a, uh, just like a, a simple uh, red devil horn suit? Just a simple country devil. A simple country devil? Yeah, I got a, like a big old bushy beard. I got a thing of chaw on my lip. <laughs> uh, I got overalls, little horns that are sticking out from my, my little cap. <laughs> uh, just, you know, trying to simple country devil trying to get by in today's world kind of devil play i think i would be into i like it yeah it's innocent yeah i think that if i were getting into some devil play i would probably go full cartoon devil yeah Uh, i would i would have a pitchfork yeah for sure i use mine because i'm a country devil and i use it to like for hay do you think 
if I paint my face red to be the devil, could that be misconstrued as uh, some sort of uh, racist act? I don't think so, as long as you've got your horns and your tail and so forth. Everyone knows the, re- the devil's red. Okay, I think you're right. I think it'll be okay. I think it won't matter because I won't be doing devil play in public. Yeah. But I'm just kind of trying to think about things. Socially, like how would people take it if they knew you were dressing up as a little devil? Right. Like on the Red Hots box. <laughs> like like the the difference of whether of their difference in opinion on whether or not I was painting my face red while I was doing it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's I think that's just part and parcel of it. It doesn't have, uh, I don't think it has any racist origins. Maybe it does. I'm not a devilologist. A devilologist? Yeah, I haven't studied him so deeply. What other weird kinks have we explored on the Raincoat Report? We've had Bobby Astor. We had him as the the, uh, submissive in that one movie. Yeah, he's down for a good time. Where, uh, what movie was that? Mascara, wasn't yeah. it? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was trying to dream that up. I've watched so many of these films now. <laughs> that, and a bunch of them just blur together. And they start to blur together with real films I've watched. <laughs> well, uh, it certainly doesn't help when, like, most of the same people are in every movie. Yeah. Or, you know, like, yeah. they're in half of the movies, all of them, right, in different yeah. configurations. Yeah, it's just one it's just one big blur of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this movie really picks us up out of, uh, it's a it's a nice stop in the, in the tunnel of flesh, I think. Yeah, if you're going to travel down a tunnel of flesh, you might oh. as well stop and check out The Devil and Miss Jones Part 2. There's a hook hand. We've done hook hands. Oh, yeah. Do it with the hook. Yeah, that was an important one. Yeah. So, you know, um, we've ex- there's, been quite a, there's been quite a lot. More so, I think, on the Patreon. Uh, when we get to the Pornhub Roulette episodes, one of oh, which yeah. is uh, <laughs> just dropped. Yes. Yeah. Uh, those are the ones where I think where the, the, the freak flag really flies, you know. Yeah. Here we're dealing mostly with the limitations of like a mostly straight white audience yes so you there's going to be limits to what you see yeah but i would say uh pichard is pretty creative with uh what he brings to the table for the most part uh, in general i think that's what makes him one of the standouts in the field yeah and while uh we haven't seen most of the well joanna storm we've seen a bit we haven't seen a lot of some of the other female cast members yeah. in this movie, but uh, they're very good. Yeah, we've seen Jacqueline Lorian's in a couple different things, and I've always liked her. I think she's has one of the meteor roles in this film. Yeah. Uh, I, I think she's very attractive in this. I think everyone is quite hot. Why are we reviewing the film before we talk about it? Oh, I don't know. We usually talk a little bit about the cast, and I was just getting a conversation about that going but i think we've drifted off yeah i started reviewing the movie no uh (laughs) i think this cast is pretty it's a it's a good mix of uh people who are coming in and people who'd been veterans for a couple years uh which is always a nice 
You like to see it, you know? Yeah, you love to see it. You love to see it. The new generation taking over. Yeah. But uh, having a graceful handoff with the old generation. Yeah, they didn't just shove them in the corner. Yeah. They just shove them in the dirt. <laughs> and this, uh, this proceeds... What's the one where they're in Hollywood? Where uh, they are Hollywood. Where they are Hollywood. Dixie Ray Hollywood star. No. Uh... Uh, uh, Pichard. Henri awesome. Pichard is in Hollywood in the Hollywood movie Matinee Idol. Yes. <laughs> it took me a minute. It took me a minute. <laughs> uh, Our brains are full of just a tangled pile of flesh. Yeah. It's a blur. <laughs> it's on me now. You're fading. Uh,. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of this preceded Matinee Idol by a few years, right? Um, but it does have a that a similar level of I don't know, just joy about doing a hardcore film. Yeah, to it, there's a uh, there's a there's a theme of voyeurism throughout the whole thing. There is, which kind of does draw that comparison to making adult films because the yeah yeah that's true uh i don't know we'll get into it more but we'll take a quick break here yeah it's a film that i liked a lot and i think i have a lot to say about it and i'm obviously restraining myself every time i try to talk about something else it ends up as a review of the film (laughs) all right well we'll uh we'll take our break and then we'll be back to talk in more depth about the Devil and Miss Jones, Part 2. First of all, you've got Marie Antoinette, all pampered and, and polished in a redecorated suite while the toilets are overflowing in the East Wing. Well, there hasn't been a new arrival in my group in years. And then you've got a perfect gentleman, Cyrano, who shouldn't even be here in the first place. Your staff doesn't seem to know which end is up. And for no reason at all, I'm grabbed up and dragged in here by a couple of pink dicks. What do I find? The boss himself watching TV. <laughs> what the dump? Was it never? You just never it wasn't stopped. recording. Oh, okay. No, no. Is it recording now? It is recording now. Okay. This is a great intro. We were, ca- well, we were counting, we were trying to count your beers. We don't know how many you've had. <laughs> I'm on three or four. It's, it's not a lot. Yeah, it's not a crazy amount, but. I think between episodes, like, I think when I was, like, I think in these snacks that we had, uh-huh. they're lead-based. That makes a lot of sense. I'm a lot angrier now than I was <laughs> before. Uh just rational thought has become incredibly difficult, but let's soldier on. It's a good thing I took a bunch of notes so I can just read them. <laughs> I don't know that I could put together any memories of this film otherwise. There's plenty memorable, yeah, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't conjure it in any uh, sensible fashion. So, with this film, we open with uh, smoke and voiceover of Justine. Uh, similar to the end of the first film, where she's begging for sexual satisfaction. We then see Justine crawling towards a cock-nosed man. This is Cyrano. Yes, a famous fictional character who is, for some reason, in hell. (laughs) Yes. Well, he lays on the ground, and uh, we see a light light up on screen that says, Orgasm Warning. Uh, he gets his cock nose ridden by Justine, 
And we see another flashing light that says, attention, orgasm. Yes, there's a lot of flashing lights and sirens. <laughs> yes, there you, are. <laughs> you cannot come in hell. That seems to be the major rule. Yes, uh, that's unfortunate. Um, Justine seems to be getting off while we hear a bunch of uh, alarm noises in the background. She's approached by these uh, cock-headed guards. Yes. Yeah, they have these helmets that are like the tip and top of a shaft. Yes, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, and then they have tails. Yes, they do have tails. All the demons in this film have little tails. Yes, they're like bone colored. I think if I did devil play, I would want to be one of these guys. Okay. I want to be just like a little minion of hell. With the with the cock helmet? Yeah. Okay. I think it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It It's, uh, it's a career I could go far in. <laughs> So uh, Justine's surrounded by these cockheaded guards. Uh, they take her away when she admits to having an orgasm. Cyrano says, give him hell, Miss Jones, as she's yeah. taken away. Yeah, they're telling her, get up. And she's like, get up, I want to get off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is another film that's got some really like solid like one-liners in it. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate some snappy dialogue in, a, in this kind of film. For sure. Yeah, Justine's uh, laughing as she's led away by these cock-headed guards. Uh, and we get credits and a weird pop song is playing. Yeah, it's like a new wave devil song. Yeah. There's a constant twanging behind it that I later came to realize was the orgasm alert just going off the entire time. Yeah, it's going off for like 10 minutes in this movie. Yeah, I guess it's part of the song. Uh, I don't know. Or they just, or they just layered it. Yeah. They just layered it all. Yeah, they're... When they were recording, and he's like, "No, we need this in the background." But they're like, "That makes the song sound horrible." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Yeah, but listen to it." Uh, no, I love, I love pornographic technology. I love that they're like orgasm warning signs look like they're like the airplane like seatbelt. <laughs> yes, like fire escape looking things. They're not. Uh, it's not super high tech, and hell seems to mostly be made of curtains. Yes, it is. Which um, I love. I think it looks really cool. Yeah, I, it's, it's fun. It's one of those things where you can do like. There's a lot of smoke machines. If you too. got the right crew and the and some good equipment, you can make uh, you can make hell look real for about eighty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep that in our uh, bag of tricks. Yeah. Well, as she's being led along, uh, she's dragged past Marie Antoinette and uh, Cleopatra. Marie Antoinette asks Justine if she's had some lately as she's passing. Justine says something back, and Antoinette says, eat cake in response. <laughs> then we cut to the devil's advocate, played by Arbola. He's uh, tending to Lucifer with some eye drops, talking about terrorism and crime being up, but attendance, as he puts it, is down. Lucifer asks what the noise is in the background, and the advocate explains it's the orgasm alarm, and someone tried to have an orgasm. He's also, like, putting eye drops into the devil's eyes for him? Yes, yes. He's like a real, like, Mr. Smithers type. <laughs> yes, he is. Lucifer asks why there's that orgasm alarm, and the advocate explains that with inflation being what it is, they can't afford to stop people from having sex anymore. So this was a cost-cutting measure. 
Lucifer is upset by this. It's hell. People shouldn't be having as much sex as they want. But the advocate explains they can't have an orgasm. The guards bring in Justine, who uh, starts to complain about the toilets and Marie Antoinette, and she complains that Lucifer is watching a TV when she shows up. Uh, when asked, Justine introduces herself as Justine Jones. Lucifer checks the computer and brings up her rap sheet of uh, escapades. Lucifer repeatedly says, No one comes in hell. Justine asks if Lucifer has ever had sex, and he says that the last time was 2,500 years ago with the Venus de Milo. She jokes about her not being all there. Yeah, because she doesn't have arms. Right? Lucifer says a man in power can't be distracted by orgasms, and he brings up the Duke of Windsor, Eddie, as he calls him, who abdicated his throne for a woman. The advocate finally says he's going to leave to start a war and leaves uh, Justine and Lucifer to talk more. Lucifer explains that if she had his job for one day, she'd understand more. I thought this was the setup to the premise of the movie, but it was not at all. It's an idle comment. You thought they were going to Freaky Friday? Yeah, or at least he, she was going to... Yeah, she was going to have to do his job for a day, at yeah. least. Uh, the advocate is talking to some dick guards outside about Marie Antoinette and jokes about her giving him head and that being fitting for Marie Antoinette uh, on account of her beheading. Yeah. We then cut to Antoinette, which I'll note uh, she is played by Sharon Mitchell. Yeah, this movie teaches you why you get off. <laughs> yes. It's a powerful study aid for kids in social studies classes. <laughs> well, Marie Antoinette's hanging out with Cleopatra, played by Dina Ferrara. Antoinette says that she hasn't given head since the 18th century. She lists a year. I can't remember what it was. But she mentions her beheading, of course. The devil's advocate shows up and greets Antoinette, asking her for a little head. We cut back to Justine, who's talking to Lucifer more. Lucifer talks about working 20-hour days. He feels like he doesn't know the difference between good and bad anymore. She mentions that orgasms are good as she's rubbing her crotch against his finger. He lays down on a couch, and Justine gets on top of him, mentioning maybe orgasms are bad in a seductive way. Meanwhile, after some back and forth, Marie Antoinette and Cleopatra start blowing the advocate. As Justine, cut it, as they cut away, is blowing Lucifer. Lucifer says, you can't do that. No, suck me. Suck me harder. Put my balls in your mouth. <laughs> we switch to the advocate with the, late, the historical ladies. We then cut back to Lucifer and see his tail stiffening. And then Justine starts to suck his tail, giving Lucifer more pleasure. Yes. He rolls on his uh, stomach, and uh, she's just on top of his back, really deep-throating his tail. <laughs> the advocate tells the ladies that are sucking him off to get their hands off themselves. There's no orgasms in hell, except for me. <laughs> Justine's now... Justine's now riding Lucifer's cock. She asks if he likes it slow. She rides him slow. Fast, she rides him fast. Or rhythmic, which she moves in a steady rhythm, I guess. Uh, but Lucifer definitely prefers the rhythmic riding. 
He says he'll do anything if she makes him come. She says anything? We see the orgasm alarm go off again, and then we see Iago, played by Ron Jeremy, briefly trying to suck his own cock. (laughs) We cut to the advocate now sitting down and uh, getting double-blown by Marie Antoinette and Cleopatra. Mm -hmm. We get some shots of Marie Antoinette's ass shaking as she keeps going, and finally the ladies finish him off uh, licking his tip. We cut back to Justine riding Lucifer, He says he's coming and tells her to get off, throwing her off of him. And then he stands up and strokes until a flame orgasm comes out. Yes, it's amazing. (laughs) This uh, impresses Justine and any viewer, really. Yeah, I was floored. We cut to Iago eating a girl's ass and vagina from behind. Then we see the advocate show up in Lucifer's room. He says, Lucy, we had another orgasm. Then he looks and realizes that Lucifer's there, naked with Justine. Lucifer asks Justine if he's the best that she's ever had, and all she says is a giggly, Oh, you devil. (laughs) The advocate tells her to get back to her cubicle, but she explains she and the devil had made a bargain. The advocate says, but the devil's a liar, and Justine explains she wants to go back to the earth. She explains that he said that she could do whatever she wants if she made him come, and she made him come, so she wants to go back to earth. They ask her why, and she says she can't come in hell, and she wants to live a life consumed by lust. One of the few references to the first movie. Mm-hmm. The devil's advocate asks why the devil would promise her that, and uh, Lucifer says, I'm the devil, I'm a liar. But the advocate says the devil actually always tells the truth. <laughs> so Justine kisses the devil and walks off, and then we we cut to the advocate talking to uh, Lucifer about where Justine can go. The advocate explains there's a woman, Roxanne, she's the call girl in New York. The advocate explains that if Justine wants to live a life of lust, this would be the best way to fulfill the devil's promise. Lucifer is surprised by these plans, but finally agrees. We see some of the dick guards dragging Justine to Lucifer, and we see a switch being thrown and a bunch of flashes and lightning in the room that Justine's in, and uh, I guess now she's Justine. (laughs) Yeah, she... uh... It's been. It seems to be that if you come back from hell, you I guess can't come back in your own body, so you just have to possess someone else. Right, and uh, in this case, it's Roxanne, the call girl in New York. Yes. Uh, so Roxanne is played by Jacqueline Lorians, and uh, she is quite attractive in this film. Mm-hmm. We hear Roxanne's doorbell ring, and she answers the doorbell to let in a group of stereotypes. A sheik is introduced, who uh, appears to be her client for this uh, particular evening. We see Lucifer watching on a TV as uh, Justine is riding the sheik's face with her panties pulled tight. She makes the sheik lick her panties at first and eventually directs him to lick her more fully. She has the sheik help her take her panties off, then she wraps them around his wrists as if to bind him, and starts to blow him. 
Lucifer and the Advocate in Hell are watching and confirm, yep, that's Justine. <laughs> she blows the Sheik a bit more and he starts yowling. Uh, she closes his mouth and tells him, don't shriek, Sheik. <laughs> then uh, she starts to titty fuck him, saying he hasn't seen anything yet. She finishes him off and tells him that that's $1,000. She thanks him for buying American and asks if he knows uh, how to use a phone as if he's an idiot. Lucifer seems sad by what he's seen, and the advocate says, This is for the best. The devil starts to march around hell, and he runs into Eddie, the Duke of Windsor. Lucifer talks to his advocate and asks why Eddie is in hell anyway. He's such a nice guy. The advocate mentions that, well, he abdicated. Lucifer asks what's the difference between that and quitting, and the difference is that only a king can abdicate. We get some of Ron Jeremy fucking a woman doggy style and a few cutaways. It's without his penis helmet. Right. For a brief period. He's on break. Lucifer turns around and looks at him, and uh, Ron Jeremy looks up and says, Don't worry, I won't come. <laughs> He knows the rules. It's here that we cut to Arnold, played by Bobby Astor. Mm -hmm. He's Roxanne's next client. She asks him what kind of fun he'd like to have, and he doesn't really answer. She offers an around-the-world uh, rim job, but he's embarrassed, trying to tell her something. She asks what it is he's into. She mentions enemas, golden showers, leather, spanking, dressing up like a little girl. She finally gets him to show her this bag that he has, and she's like, oh, okay, is that what it is? And he offers to go get dressed in the other room. So he does. She promises to him uh, at his request that she won't laugh at him. We see her waiting for him in the bed, and he comes out dressed as the devil in a red devil suit. Yes, he's the classic devil. He's the one you love. Lucifer says as he's watching, Holy shit! <laughs> Roxanne laughs, which upsets Arnold at first, but she explains she's just laughing at him as the devil. She thinks he looks cute. He also put on a French tickler, which is a weird rubber devil head on the tip of his dick. Yes, this is unlike any French tickler I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. Lucifer is angry as he's watching in hell and demands his advocate... Arnold eats Roxanne out from below as they're 69ing, and she sucks his cock, including that devil head. She then rides it reverse cowgirl. We don't actually see the devil head going into her, I'll note. She's like rubbing her vagina around it, and then in the next shot, she's riding it. I have a feeling. So thankfully, she didn't have to take that. I have a feeling they didn't end up inside of her. But I do appreciate that it's cutting away where you're not sure. But yeah, she's uh, riding his cock reverse cowgirl, and then uh, she takes her bra off, and her large tits bounce out. Uh, it was lovely. Mm -hmm. Arnold shouts, my devil cock! <laughs> she says, you put the devil in my pussy. Uh, the devil is pissed as he's watching. She says she's going to come. Arnold says, I'm that good, huh? She rides more, and he says, here comes the devil! The advocate and one of the penis guys is watching now, 
and uh, one of the penis guards' uh, tails gets erect, which uh, <laughs> the advocate slaps. <laughs> Lucifer says that he needs to find a new body for Justine, and he'll pick it this time. We then cut to a drill sergeant yelling at a young female soldier. This is Private Parts, played by, I believe this was Joanna Storm. That's correct. Yes. So, Private Parts is like crawling and getting yelled at by a drill sergeant. The devil turns some knobs and it seems that Justine has now taken over Private Parts' body. Mm -hmm. Parts smiles and walks into the men's shower area. And uh, she, as she's walking in, we see Lucifer watching on a monitor, and he goes, oh, shit. She marches her way in and starts to showering. She still has her helmet on when she turns the shower on, but she throws it aside and uh, takes the rest of her clothes off. There's a guy scrubbing something on the floor nearby, and he looks up just to get a shot of her beaver as she's bent over. Uh, then she walks up to the guy and lifts her leg, putting her vagina in his mouth, and he starts to munch away. Yeah. It's very enthusiastic. Yes. This is what Top Gun should have been. <laughs> yes. Uh, the advocate walks up to the devil in hell. Uh, Lucifer says, look at what she's letting him do to her. Another man walks up to private parts he says, private parts, get your private parts out of that man's face. The captain wants to see you. Yeah, it was an uncredited cameo by Arlie Ermey. And of course, the guy who was uh, going down on private parts is very disappointed that she is taken away. Goddamn Army. We cut to the captain talking crazy about women in the military to an Uncle Sam poster. Yeah, that's a... I feel like that might be like in every adult film with the army. <laughs> like all these guys saw Dr. Strangelove and were like, yep, that's, we're going to do one of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't blame them. It's, it's always fun. So the captain tells private parts that she's a good soldier, but he just got a report of her activity in the shower. She admits to it and says that something must have gotten into me. The captain starts to lecture about soldiers abusing their genitals he gets out a drink, uh, maybe some vodka, something clear, and some shot glasses. We cut to Lucifer, and he says, he's gonna fuck her. Can't remember the last time <laughs> I've had clear. It's been a while since I've had clear. I just like brown now. We're a couple of brown boys. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the captain says... His unit will always be ready for a soldier in need as he's unzipping his pants. <laughs> she asks for permission. Uh, she goes on a long description, but the highlights were that she was going to orally examine his unit while manually stimulating him and probing his aperture and uh, working his unit into a tight opening. It sounded like there was going to be some finger in the butthole stuff. Yeah, by... Her, but... uh, Probing his aperture. That's what I took that to mean. I don't think it happens. Uh, it does quickly, in fact. Oh, does it? I don't know. I feel like... I mean, they might have faked it, but yeah. like it was at least Implied. blind. Okay. It's brief. Yeah, sometimes I just like... 
I'm so focused on like the bigger picture that I miss the details. <laughs> Sometimes I'm so busy trying to find all the details that I miss the big picture. So I get it. That's why we work together so well. Yeah. We're all in the family. You meathead. <laughs> well, Private Parts gets her permission and starts to blow the captain. She notes how big it is and licks and sucks his balls. He asks her to probe his aperture, and she briefly fingers his ass. Okay, well. As she's blowing him, we see her reach around into his ass crack, at least. We okay. don't really... we see a penetration. We don't get a good enough shot to really see good, the penetration. Yeah, you want to see it, though. You at least want to yeah. see it in up to, like, like the little... What is the, 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 the fake knuckle? I don't know what it's called. The tarsal. But, yeah. Ow, I think I the prop... The problem is, A, maybe they weren't actually wanting to do it, and B, he wasn't really bent over in any way, so yeah. if, even if they were doing it, there was he no real just, way to see it. He could have just grabbed his cheeks and spread them. <laughs> spread them private. <laughs> well, spread them, captain. captain. Yeah, well, whatever, you know. Spread them, captain. <laughs> spread them, captain. You and the captain make it happen. Ew. <laughs> Uh, the devil is still watching and still pissed. Uh, the captain starts to fuck private parts and standing doggy as she's bent over his desk. She says, fuck me, fuck me hard. After a bit, he says he can't come, and she asks for permission to probe him with a unit of her own. He says that she doesn't have a unit, but uh, while confused, he finally agrees to what she's suggesting. And we see him stroking as she seems to be trying to shove a missile in his ass. Yes. It's a real uh, it's a real commentary. Some real social commentary. Yeah. Well, unfortunately... About our, about our bloated military budgets. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we don't get to see what became of our tax dollars because uh, a bunch of people bust into the room... And uh, freak out as they see what's happening here. They're talking about some emergency or something, and one of them just says, God damn army. Yeah, I think it's the same guy. Oh, from, that makes sense. Yeah, he says that last time. He's. I think I missed it the first time. There you go. So we're together. We cut to the devil saying that they need to find someone else for her to be in. They find a woman trying to sell Tupperware to an old lady. Her name's Eve Schwartz. The Tupper Woman. Yes, the Tupper Woman. So, Eve Schwartz is played by Anna Ventura. Uh, of course, pet Eve detective? Schwartz. Yes, Anna Ventura, sure. pet detective. I like the second one better. Like when she crawls out of that rhino's ass. <laughs> yes. So, Eve uh, is... Of course, uh, conservative and unattractive, and we know this because she's wearing glasses and a, and a, and a, uh, a shirt with a high collar and long sleeves. Yeah. And a long dress. Fucking uggo. <laughs> <laughs> the advocate talks to Iago. He is saying that he wants to make sure Justine is still wild as Eve for some reason. I don't quite understand what his thing is. It seems like he's doing something to manipulate things behind the scenes to yeah. make Eve wild while Lucifer wants her to not be wild. But I don't understand his motivation for that. Yeah, it, it, 
At first, I thought maybe the devil's advocate was also working against him because it kind of seems like yeah. it's going that way at first, but not entirely. He's a uh, what would you, he's ambivalent? I think that's why he's the devil's advocate. You know, I guess that's it that makes sense. Way. But it does kind of make sense if he's supposed to be Iago from like Othello because he's like a schemer. Okay, and hell and this thing is just full of literary characters <laughs> right if you're bad in fiction you also go to hell <laughs> um lots of lots of witches and such uh but yeah there's not really like a lot of development for like his motivations as for why right unless he's just trying to get back at him because he can't come but there's not even like a throwaway line to suggest that so yeah i don't know uh, maybe a, something got cut out in editing Perhaps. But, uh, or maybe it was just never clear. Well. Never clear, always brown. <laughs> That's our motto. hmm Well, Iago the schemer brainstorms here a bit about plastics, and that seems to give the advocate some idea, which we soon see realized. So we see Eve getting a hot dog, and as she's getting it, the wind blows and we, the wind blows and we see some flashes And uh, we're given the indication that she has become Justine. Uh, And, of course, as she was hit by the wind, her glasses got blown off of her face. And her top got blown open so you can see her tits. Now she's hot. And she's hot. (laughs) Man, who would have thought? Who would have thought? She seductively starts to suck on the hot dog as the hot dog vendor watches her. We then cut to Lance, played by George Payne. He's getting his uh, cock rubbed through his shorts by a woman in a patio chair. Lance tells her that she's cute, but he's bored. He says that there's not a woman on this earth that can arouse his desires anymore. We cut back to Eve, of course, Justine possessing her now. Uh, walking into a building, and she apparently makes her way up to Lance's apartment, but in between those times, uh, she changed from having that very uh, conservative top to having one that barely covers her nipples. She rings Lance's doorbell, and he answers. She asks if he wants to have a party, and uh, he lets her in. He's clearly intrigued by this barely-dressed woman. He tells her that he doesn't need any Tupperware, and she says she knows. But how about some Humperware? Oh. She then starts to blow up a blow-up doll. As usual, Lucifer is watching pissed. She notes that she has many other items that he might be interested in and opens a luggage bag full of sex toys. She suggests some motion lotion, which she starts to rub onto his chest. She then offers to demonstrate a toy for him, a hard plastic vibrator, classic 80s style. Yeah, uh, some rough sex toys. (laughs) She starts to fuck herself with it for a moment, and then holds it in front of Lance's face to show it off. Then she offers to let him try, and he starts to fuck her with the vibrator. She notes it's $15.95, including batteries. It's pretty good. Lucifer asks what's going on. 
He says that he put her in the body of some boring girl, but now she's a trollop with sex toys. Eve is blowing Lance, really getting some fast strokes as she's sucking him off. She offers him a chic diamond-studded cock ring, noting that they should try it out, and they do. Yeah. She goes back to really power-sucking him. She then uh, gets the blow-up doll and starts to use it to fuck him and uh, suck him. There's a lot of squeaking. <laughs> yes, there is. She's too much. <laughs> perhaps uh, a tad too much. She lays back on a couch and he starts to fuck her missionary with her legs pinned up. Eve grabs another toy, a thin vibrator. Lance asks what it is and she says it's a bargain at one ninety nine. Uh, she mimes, putting it in his ass, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Lucifer says, not again. The advocate says, at least it isn't a bombshell this time. Lance finally pulls out and comes. Lucifer, watching, has a steaming uh, crotch, which a minion puts out with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. We cut to Lance and Eve in a hot tub. Lance's phone rings, and he answers it and hands it over to Eve, and it's Lucifer on the other end. He asks why she has to fuck everyone she meets. She asks if he's jealous, and he yells at her about her thinking he's jealous. After hanging up, the devil uses his powers to make Eve fall down an elevator shaft. Yeah, this is the first one he just kills. (laughs) Right? He's just pissed. We then cut to an injured man in a hospital bed being tended to by a nun this is sister angela played by uh samantha fox yeah there was a very brief moment where i thought it was eve but she was just real busted looking yes i also thought this initially yeah uh but no but no lucifer decides to put justine into the body of sister angela the advocate doesn't like this idea but lucifer explains that this is a no-lose situation Uh, The nun's a virgin, so she probably won't have sex. But if she does, it's a win for hell. The devil's advocate says, Mephistopheles, if this love of yours continues, you're going to lose your tail. You know that, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) We then see a nurse tending to a patient with a boner who keeps harassing her to let him put the tip in and such. The nurse ignores his shit and is happy to see Sister Angela when she shows up. The patient hides his boner at first, and Angela says that she's here for him in Roger's time of need. That's his name, Roger, the patient. The advocate says, Lucy, I don't like this. Lucifer says, just watch. The nurse leaves, and Angela turns off the light and closes the windows and blinds. Lucifer hits his switch and there's sparks and smoking and a light that says overload yeah his machine his hell machine is broken down yeah lucifer asks what happened come on damn it sister angela is smiling and starts to reach toward roger's cock but then there's a freeze frame as lightning crashes and roger's boner starts to go away okay i thought that's what i was seeing was his like boner disappearing it was yeah it was a. Uh, Flaciding, yeah, <laughs> flaciding. And as we're about to find out, it's the work of the man upstairs. Some divine intervention, for sure. Sister Angela looks up, and then we see the advocate. He asks Lucifer how he did that, and he says he didn't. 
The advocate takes a phone call. Apparently their whole system's fucked up. And Lucifer takes the phone, and it's St. Peter on the other side. He's pissed off talking to him on a cloud in tennis gear. St. Peter implies that God found out, and he's the one who stopped Justine from corrupting Sister Angela. St. Peter demands that he put Justine back into Roxanne's body. Yeah, it's breaking the rules, I think, to possess a nun. I guess so. That makes sense. It required God's intervention, and that is... It seems exceedingly rare. Yeah. And even for the time this was going on, there were things that happening that he probably should have intervened in instead. <laughs> yes. Uh, anywhere in Latin America at that point would have been a good point for God to have stepped in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so Lucifer tries to argue that Justine should stay in the nun again, but finally St. Peter says to just put her back in Roxanne and hangs up. Lucifer pretends to finish the call normally as if he wasn't hung up to show off, I guess, for the advocate and anybody else around. Lucifer tells his advocate that he wants Justine to be his forever, but the advocate explains if he doesn't put her back, they're finished. The devil paces and is taunted by somebody before he has uh, an overlaid series of flashbacks of Justine to a soulful lounge song. This is... Uh, it's just the devil and Miss Jones. It's just the devil and Miss Jones, apparently. Oh, man. This was so good. <laughs> I love this whole little montage. The devil's down so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Even the devil's down sometimes. Yeah. There's a sign for Hell's Kitchen above the door, above a door that they pass. Ha. The advocate grabs Lucifer and tells him, this is for the best. We see Sister Angela answer a payphone where Lucifer's on the other end. She yells at him for not living up to his promise. Lucifer explains that that ray of light routine that happened wasn't him. He finally says that he can put her back into Roxanne's body and explains that once he does, though, that's it. She'll harden and he won't be able to switch her again. She seems to be alright with this. She thanks him, and he tells her to take care, and she tells him to take care, and that she'll miss him before she hangs up. There are a lot of little uh, rules yeah. that aren't fully explained. Yeah. After the fourth swap, if you go either after the fourth swap or after you go back to a body, that's it. Yeah, I guess. But also, she's going to be immortal, like a vampire. Yeah, that that also is, is a part of some it. Some of it, yeah, as uh, just having possessed this woman out of nowhere. Right. Uh, wow. Hell's, uh, hell's pretty scary. Maybe the whole thing's real. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Oh, boy. Oh, shit. I got a lot to think about. We cut to Roxanne in bed, and there's a flash and some smoke indicating that Justine has taken her back over. She's sitting across from a client now, and she asks him what he wants. Is it uh, Joey Silvera? Yeah, it's Joey Silvera, and I did not recognize him I, until I looked like afterwards. Kind of like a different haircut, no little mustache. No facial hair, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she asks him what he wants, and he says he wants her to say that she loves him when he comes. She explains, it's not love you want, it's lust. That's why you come here. She tells him she knows exactly what he wants, and he says repeatedly, Okay, just make sure you say you love me when I come. She starts to blow him and continues to do so for a bit. We see Roxanne get on her hands and knees, and he 
starts to fuck her doggy style. He goes at it for a bit, and she tells him to fuck her harder, and he tells her to tell him she loves him. She does this finally as he's coming. She then tells him that there was only one person she's had sex with where she's come that hard before. She says it was an old friend. We see the devil watching, seeming to indicate it was him. We cut to Roxanne masturbating in a bed. We see that somebody is watching her through a window and jacking off. I think Joey Silvera is sort of Pichard's, uh It's one of his like little people, like his little troop. He shows <laughs> yeah. up a lot. Like, yeah, I'm he thinking, does. Uh, public affairs, showdown, yeah. this. Um, I think we've covered maybe another Pichard movie that he's probably got some bit part in. But probably, yeah. It's one of those reliable guys you have in your stable. Yeah, he. You know, he's like a, it's like a Cohen favorite, you know. Yeah, he's like a, he's the Steve Buscemi of porn. <laughs> <laughs> Roxanne finally notices the guy in the window and panics. He explains not to worry. He's an old friend of hers. She tells him to leave, and he says that he's going to love her forever, and tells her to sit still. She tells him he has to pay if he wants to watch. She recognizes by the outfit that it's Cyrano from the beginning of the film. He walks in, and finally, as he's finishing, as he's stroking, he comes fire. It wasn't Cyrano, it was Lucy, as she calls out. She laughs and embraces him, and he asks if he scorched the drapes. (laughs) She asks how he got there. Things were getting a little hot for him in hell, he says, so he was worried about her. So he abdicated. She says, abdicated? He says, like the Duke of Windsor, he abdicated for a woman. Lucifer apparently wants to settle down with Justine and talks about getting a house and a job. Yeah, he's going to get a job with Procter & Gamble, which uh, maybe some of our, maybe some older listeners remember. uh, During, like, part of the satanic panic in the 80s was Procter & Gamble's logo at the time was like, Kind of like an old man's like bearded face and like mm-hmm. seven stars or something like that. Okay. And people were convinced that it was like satanic and that the Procter and Gamble had like connections to like satanic cults to the point <laughs> where they had to like set up like a hotline and like hire people just to answer like mail and oh, field fuck. calls about it. <laughs> um, eventually they changed it. Yeah. Uh, but then eventually they were like, well, it's been long enough. Maybe we can change it back. And apparently that reignited it for the most part. <laughs> Shit. Um, so I thought that was, that seems like what that, that yeah, that seems what that seems to be a reference to, which I thought was a pretty clever little thing. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that had been going on since like the late seventies. Gotcha. It kind of preceded like the stuff where people were like accusing uh, like school teachers of molesting, you know. Yeah, you all know, that things, fun stuff. You know, things just kind of build up and get out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Roxanne slash Justine asks Lucifer if he loves her, and he says he's the devil. He's not sure. She asks if he'll marry her, and he asks if she can stop being a call girl. They agree, and. Uh, She'll stop hoeing and he'll marry her. So they kiss as the film ends. And we are treated once again to It's Just the Devil and Miss Jones as the credits play. It's funny that the devil doesn't know that you can't turn a hoe into a housewife. But maybe you can turn 
a reincarnated spinster possessing the body of a call girl into a housewife. Or yes. Unfortunately, yes. I don't think we get to see the results of that in The Devil and Miss Jones 3. Oh. This comes years later, uh, has none of the same cast. I think it's like Gregory Darker, a dark of some sort. Yeah, directed the, it. one of the Dark Brothers. One of those Dark Boys. One of those Dark Boys? <laughs> All right, well, that was The Devil and Miss Jones Part 2. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with our patented raincoat review. All right, I'm ready. never had sake before i had it like a decade ago okay but apparently their tyler's brewing it or someone where tyler works is brewing it now i guess and now we and now we each have bottles of it that <laughs> we're kind of afraid to drink i don't remember if i liked it or not but i know <laughs> at the time that i referred to it as angel come just because of how it looks Fair enough. I think I enjoyed it, but I think I remember being quite dry. Okay, fair enough. But it is a wine made with rice, so I guess it depends on if you're good at cooking rice or not, maybe. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Sometimes it's all burnt. <laughs> <laughs> and you just gotta scrape it off the pan and just drink it anyway. Drink the rice anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you make rice. I assume the rice wine... It's just Japanese people just stomping rice down like the <laughs> French do grapes. Yeah, that's probably it. I think that's probably... <laughs> I don't know what else you would do. I... I bet I would be pretty good. I got solid-sized feet. <laughs> I could stomp the shit out of just about anything you put me in. I could step all day. Well, if I end up liking the sake and you end up liking the sake... Then maybe we could start making our own. We'll use the Patreon money to buy a bunch of rice. You can stomp it. Yeah, we could buy so much rice with just even like the meager amount of uh, <laughs> money that we're drawing in. We could buy a shit ton of rice. Yeah, we could. We never, we'll never be hungry again. <laughs> I want you to go into your backyard and build a silo for all the rice we're going to get. <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, one of my friend's great oh my ideas God. was I that yeah. he was going to get a food saver, uh-huh. and uh, he was while he was living with his parents, going to make as, much, as many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as he could, and uh, seal them in the food saver and freeze them. Okay. And that was going to be his food as soon as he moved out. Okay. For, for as long as possible. it lasted. Okay. <laughs> uh, that didn't actually happen. But I think it was a solid idea that I hope somebody does. I was hoping maybe that story ended up with like a lot of like rotted sandwiches. <laughs> no, that would that would have made for a better story. That would have made for a, a fine anecdote. But I think it's just an idea to float. It's not bad. Maybe I'll I'll put I'll keep that one in my pocket. 
Well, with how terrible things are in society now, uh, people are living with their parents longer and longer. So instead of like saving sandwiches up until you're 18, you can save it up until you're like in your mid 30s. Easily. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's Um, let's do the raincoat review. Okay. How about that devil and Miss Jones again? Man, I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was just a whole ton of fun. Yeah. I think uh, it was a, it's a sequel, I think, that for me exceeds the first film. Okay. They're definitely different films, but uh, if I had to like put them next to each other, and apparently I do because this one's a sequel. Yeah. A squeakle. Uh, a squeakle of sorts that... Uh, this one's a lot more to my taste. It's a lot more fun. It's fast paced. Uh, it is a uh, a really like uh, well realized like porno fantasy film. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I like the concept of body switching to kind of uh, give the vignettes a different flavor. Yeah, which is yeah. Something I would kind of had I mentioned last week that I sometimes have a problem with. I think this film handles that really well with. Uh, just the different situations he finds herself in. And we have a bunch of uh, lovely looking ladies playing Georgina Spelvin. Yeah. I kind of assume they brought her in, brought them in because she's a bit older at this point. Yeah. Uh, though she does get a scene in at the beginning. She does. Couple, and she, and, uh, she, she looks great. great. Yeah. She looks great, but she's energetic. She I gives just, a good performance. I just assume like, box office for whatever that's worth for a porno film it's probably if you have younger women you're probably same today i guess yeah i I could see that being the business decision there and i mean they get to show off uh, quite a cast of characters so yeah i'm not going to complain about it my favorite stuff is definitely the all the hell stuff yeah uh i really love that they made a hell more or less out of curtains and bed sheets right uh the lighting really sells it. It makes it look like uh, the fog machines make it kind of look like cavernous. Right. Uh, it's cool. There's a bunch of different historical and literary figures in there to uh, add a bit of uh, depth and world building to the whole thing. Right. Um, I think most of the performances are great. I think Jack Wrangler as Lucifer gives a great comedic performance. I think Arbola is a, uh, perfect like foil to him as yeah. well uh i remember what i was gonna say earlier about matinee idol is that this one kind of is like that and that it has a sort of a romantic ending to it yeah yeah where the characters decide that they care more about each other than anything else and they're like well let's just ride off into the sunset together or whatever in that occasion yeah so let's uh live out our immortal lives as a devil man and a possessed bride. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great cast, obviously. I think I've said that. I love the devil and just the devil and Miss Jones. Uh, oh, the yeah. lyrics were written by Jack Wrangler. Oh, yeah. I saw yeah. that in the credits. Uh, they were performed by someone else, but they were written by him. So he really felt this role, you know, deep <laughs> in his bones. Uh, I think it helped having someone like Larry Ravine do cinematography, someone who, as we've seen from some other films, isn't afraid to like take it slow and like set up like a good shot or like a good special effect, like that fire come. Yeah. He's also uh, particularly good at working with shadows and darkness, Mm -hmm. which 
probably helps with the hell scenes. Yeah, it's very, yeah. I will say that the DVD that I have is uh, definitely one of those things that's sourced from like the original VHS transfer. Yeah, it's got, it's from like a VCA, like there's a little logo before it and everything. It is something that definitely like Vinegar Syndrome, I would love to see them or someone put something this out because I think it really would look great with a uh, restoration. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's just a great film that I think should be back out for the public in general. Uh, I really can't think of any complaints or shortcomings I would give this film. I found myself delighted the entire time. I was uh, just in, uh, enchanted by the story, I'll say. <laughs> uh, like a man caught in the devil's fishing net. <laughs> Is that something the devil has? I'd imagine he has a fishing net. He has to deal with evil fish, right? Piranha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for this one, this one just fires on all cylinders for me. I I got to give it a five. Wow, okay. Yeah, I, I really... It, it took the concept of the devil and Miss Jones and uh, just went wacky with it. It did. Full Gremlins 2. I love it. <laughs> uh, that's also a movie I would rate a five. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, even though that one had Christopher Lee and this didn't, still. <laughs> well, um, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Mm -hmm. I think that the cast is great. Uh, you know, they brought in Georgina Spelvin for mostly, well, completely early stuff in the film yeah and she once again gives a good performance and uh she uh, i mean and she's great in her sex scene too so uh but we also bring in a trio of lovely younger ladies and each of them is very attractive as well mm -hmm. so all of that certainly helps add to the uh eroticism of the film as a whole yeah i don't We've seen Jack Jacqueline Lawrence before. I mm -hmm. don't think we've seen her in... I wouldn't say her role in this is huge, but uh, it's big enough that you kind of get a better sense of her as an actor. Yeah. And uh, I think she has the chops to uh, be a leading lady, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind looking at her. I don't mind listening to her. Yeah. You know, who can... It's tough to find both. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Jeremy's theory on women. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I would like to see more films with her in uh, leading roles. Like, I would definitely like to see her as the lead in a movie. Yeah, I think she was in Foxtrot, but obviously that movie had no leads. Yeah, that movie had a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> and this is kind of an ensemble cast, but I feel like you spend enough time with each of them. Well, and I would say that she is the second most featured yeah, she's woman like in the, the movie. Second lead like you'd put georgina spelvin's name at the top just for the, the title recognition right you put her name just under it just a little bit smaller right and then joanna storm then the other one and then finally at the bottom you get samantha fox if right. you led with samantha fox they would accuse you of a bait and switch and then you'd have to deal with the better business bureau <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's tough it's tough she's just a little nun she didn't do any she didn't do very much <laughs> do you how do you think i wonder if they did like a real crazy shot to get that man's boner shrinking 
It didn't look I don't like know. it. It might have just been like something in his pants. They just like, <laughs> but I was thinking of that thing where the eye drips in corruption. Oh, and I was yeah, like, yeah. what if he just did like a time lapse of a man's like boner shrinking? <laughs> it's like, get him real hard. And then we're just going to do a real slow. Maybe uh, they use some footage of him getting hard in reverse. That was also something I was thinking. I mean, it young. didn't shrink all the way. It just, yeah, it just kind of fell started over. to fall back. Yeah. yeah. I just like to think about Larry Ravine and his bag of tricks. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's, you know, good cinematography, good uh, acting and uh, a silly but good enough script. Um I would say that this film is pretty successful on all fronts. I would give it four and a half stars. I think if you gave it any lower, I would have to reconsider this podcast. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm glad that we'll make it another week, theoretically. Yeah, well, you know, as long as we can kind of come to a con... Any other film, I don't care. It's just this one. Right. (laughs) Or the next one, I give a five. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well... Anytime I love a film and you don't love it enough, it's going to be a problem. (laughs) Well, in the meantime, uh, follow us on Patreon. We just did an episode of Pornhub Roulette last week, which uh, we we actually haven't recorded yet. But Don't uh, tell them that. You know, I like to let them see a little bit behind the curtain. Don't show them how I make my sausage. Well, uh, Jeremy's sausage has yet to be made, uh, but it was a crazy episode, I know, because uh, I know what videos I picked. I know what videos I picked, and I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to really have to turn up your volume for one of them. Okay. That's, <laughs> okay, we will see what that means. Um, Maybe you already have. Oh, yeah. If you prob- if Well, the listener. I, I If. Only if you're a subscriber at patreon.com slash raincoat report. Yes. You got to type it in. Yes, you have to type it in. You can't search for us because I put us down as adult. Although. You got, you, you fucked us up. Although, uh, apparently, I'm not allowed to share links to Pornhub on Patreon anymore. So. Uh, we'll figure that out. We'll figure. Well, I could make a raincoat report Pornhub account and then create uh shared playlists okay yeah i might do that that sounds great we'll figure it out we'll figure it out you don't worry about it for now you know just uh keep on trucking and don't forget your raincoat <laughs> yes also twitter instagram raincoat report goodbye bye <laughs> she has a radiant smile Born with a talent to light up a room Shining with love that you need to consume It's just the devil in Miss Jones And in the darkness of night John like a moth to the fire of her life.